welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Merry Christmas, Kingdom Culture family. Happy Christmas Eve. So thankful that you joined us this morning, or maybe you're watching after the fact. Welcome, welcome to our online Christmas Eve experience. You know, we wish we could be there in person with you on Sunday morning, but we decided to come at you online so you can enjoy your family at home. Hopefully you're, you know, whatever your traditions are, if your family's together, if you're making, you know, cookies or having a turkey dinner on Christmas Eve, some people open up presents on Christmas Eve, and maybe you're single, maybe you're watching alone, welcome. And uh, we're just praying that you just feel the strength and comfort of God, even in the midst of a time that uh, is supposed to be so full of joy, but for so many feels a little bit sad. And if you're one of those people that uh, it's a struggle, we're praying for you and we're just believing for an amazing end to this year for you as you journey into 2024. And so it's Christmas Eve. I want to dive into the scripture. I always struggle every year. And, you know, God, what is your word for Christmas Eve? I always feel like it's got to be Christmassy in nature. So here I am wearing my, uh, you know, uh, Brodoff, the red-nosed Gaines deer. You know, for those of you that uh, don't know Jim language, that's Jim language. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm rocking my Christmas sweater. And, uh, you know, I'm also, I didn't I didn't really shave, so I'm, I'm rocking the... Santa-like beard for you all. So I wanted to be a little more Christmassy today for everybody. Some some people haven't don't usually see me with the, the extra gray because I cut my hair every week, but I didn't cut my hair just for this. And so let's dive into Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Remember, they weren't married, they were engaged. They were en route to get married. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. This was, this was the fulfillment of Genesis, the beginning of Genesis, one of the first uh, prophecies uh, that ever existed back in Genesis, where um, you know God says to the serpent, that the seed of the woman will will crush your head and you will will bruise the heel speaking of the coming Jesus the seed obviously women don't have seed this is spo- this was this was prophesying about the virgin birth of Jesus that would come at the right time at the right hour to destroy the works of the devil well this is the fulfillment of that pregnant she became pregnant through the power of the holy spirit verse 19 Joseph to whom she was engaged was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. So he's thinking, I'm going to divorce this chick. I can't be with her. Culturally, this is a big, unaccepted 
um, situation. You know, we were engaged and now she's pregnant. How, um, you know, I, I didn't sleep with her, so it must be adultery. He's probably thinking all these things in his mind. He doesn't really have revelation yet as to how this happened. And so he's like, I should divorce her quietly. I don't want to disgrace her publicly. What an honoring man. And, um, but God intervenes, God interrupts that thought process. And so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. And speaking of, uh, you know, Isaiah, we'll reference that later on, verse 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Some of you know the, the chorus, Emmanuel. Anyways, I won't sing it for you, but it means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. So I want to take a few moments and just share a few lessons from Jesus' stepdad. This is our subject for today's Christmas Eve experience. And, you know, we're talking about Joseph. We're talking about Emmanuel. And like I said, Emmanuel means God with us. Well, this is really the incarnation, the beginning manifestation of the incarnation. If you've been with us uh, at all and heard any of the messages in November, we camped out in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and, and really talked about when God dressed up in flesh. Now, God, you know, became man so man could become like God. This was the premise. God became man, dressed up as man in the form of Jesus, born of a virgin. This is why we celebrate during this season, even though we all know, just to say and remind everybody, Jesus was not born on December 25th. That is not his birthday. It was actually early fall. We celebrate the birth of Jesus. Most people in Christendom celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas, but that's not when he was born. And in fact, if you're a believer, you should be celebrating the incarnation, the birth of Jesus really every day in your relationship because without God becoming and be, being made flesh and then dying on a cross, a sinless death and resurrecting, we would have no faith. We would have no ability to be even reconciled back to the Father. There'd be no relationship and there'd be no what we call Christians today. And so... Thank God for the, the, the God with us moment, Emmanuel. Thank God for the incarnation. Thank God for the virgin birth. Because of that and because of death and resurrection, uh, we can know him in relationship. And he becomes the bridge uh, to God uh, through his death and his resurrection. So we kept out on this whole God with us reality, which is the incarnation, which like I said, is God uh, dressing up as man. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 19 to 21, that is that God was in Christ. So God, think about this, God was in the baby Jesus. God was in Christ from the beginning. God didn't just come into Christ, you know, when he was 30 years old and his ministry began. No, God was resident within Christ, reconciling the word world to himself. God became a man to reconcile all humanity back to himself, not counting people's sins against them, but canceling them, okay? So we see this incarnation reality 
pictured in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And even says in verse 21, he who made Christ who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in right relationship with him by his grace and loving kindness. He who made Christ who knew no sin became sin. So God dressed up as a man, Jesus, took on the likeness of our sin nature to eradicate the sin nature, to cancel the sin debt off of our life, and to give us new life, reconciling us back to him. We see this pictured in John chapter 1, verse 14, and the word Christ became flesh. The word himself, Christ, became flesh. God became flesh and lived among us. You know, this, this word means become visible. In the Greek and Aramaic, it reads, he pitched his tent among us. God came down in the form of Jesus through the virgin birth, pitched his tent, camped out for 33 years on the earth amongst us so we would have an ability to be restored back to the Father. Now, 700 years earlier, there was a prophet named Isaiah who prophesied this very same thing that we see fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 24. And in this prophecy, chapter 7, verse 14, the prophet Isaiah says, All right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. 700 years later, a fulfillment of this prophecy took place through the virgin birth. So we're going to uncover three truths that we can take away from this storyline found in Matthew through the life of Joseph. But I want to accent this concept of Emmanuel for a second because God with us, this revelation of God with us, was simply only an introduction to God in us. This is the new covenant. This is the better covenant. Jesus came into the world as man so we as man could know him in an intimate relational way. And that relational way means that God doesn't God wasn't just no longer with us, around us, no longer just omnipresent in this way around us everywhere all the time. He's now within us. He's decided to make his home within our heart. When we have this Born again awakening, this born again experience, John chapter 3, verse 3, when our eyes are opened and we're awakened from within that we have been reconciled back to the Father, in that very moment, there is a light that turns on on the inside of us. We go from God just with us to an awareness that God is within us. With that awareness, everything changes. With that awareness, everything is uncovered that was covered. In that awareness, all the darkness that used to guide and destroy and pull away or pull you back from living the life you were called to live, all of a sudden gets removed. The lights are turned on and we can walk and move clearly in the race or run the race that God has called us to run. And so I want to uncover three really powerful truths, uh, lessons, uh, takeaways from this story that we, we can see through Joseph's experience. Remember the stepdad of Jesus. Number one, write this down. Miracles are attracted to inconvenience. Miracles are attracted to inconvenience. You know, I could come at you on this Christmas Eve and you know, uh, bring you a nice little message, read the story of Jesus, gather around the fire, do the thing. I, I just can't, that's just not me. I can't do that. I mean, I can do that probably, but uh, I really want to give you something to take away on Christmas Eve. I want you to go into your end of the year with passion, with insight, with excitement, expectation, with understanding, with, with new 
perspectives of what God wants to do. And so I'm hoping and praying that that happens and takes place today. In fact, let me just pray for you as you're listening, uh, watching right now. Father, I just thank you for what you're gonna do on this Christmas Eve. You're gonna unpack some things that I believe are gonna uh, open us up, are gonna set the tone for not only the end of the year, but the beginning of next year. God, I pray that you would make this a memorable Christmas Eve experience for everyone watching. I pray even for the kids that may be watching that God, you'd encounter them, that you'd show them the, the, the revelation and the power of opening a life up to God and what that looks like. As Joseph did, he opened up his world to the possibilities that, hey, you know, this pregnancy was something special and he had to adapt, he had to maneuver. I pray that everybody watching would just have an experience of what it looks like to open our lives up to the supernatural in a real, powerful way in Jesus' name. So number one, miracles are attracted to inconvenience. We are inconvenienced for purpose all the time. If you want purpose in your life, if you want to fulfill purpose, expect inconvenience. Expect like having moments where you're uncomfortable. Expect tension. Expect tests. Expect pressure. Expect opposition. If you want to see the miraculous, you have to be and will be at times very inconvenienced. But we don't like inconvenience. We like convenience. We like drive-through. We like quick. We like fast, but in the kingdom, kingdom life looks a lot like inconvenience because it smells like almost all the time sacrifice. Sacrifice, I don't know, I've never met anybody that takes and makes sacrifices on a daily and could actually say that's convenient. No, sacrifices are inconvenient. But I want to say this, don't sacrifice, on the other end, don't sacrifice the miraculous or miracles in your life on the altar of the desire for convenient living. Because if you want to live a supernatural lifestyle, it's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be disruptive. If you want to stay mediocre, if you want to stay in your routine, live for convenience. Things may not happen the way you want or think they should or could in your mind, but when you follow Jesus and let him lead, he will do the unexpected as long as you have an understanding that you will be inconvenienced. And I believe that God wants to disrupt you. Moving into 2024, there's a disruption happening. I don't know where you're at in your life right now. I don't know where you're watching from. I don't know what position you are in life right now. Maybe your business had a hard year. Maybe you're stuck in a rhythm and a routine you don't like. Maybe you're stuck in your health. Maybe you're just in a rut mentally, emotionally, spiritually speaking. I don't know what it is for you, but I do believe this, that this is a word for you moving into 2024. God wants to disrupt you a little bit. God wants to shake some things up in your life a little bit. If you're living too comfortable, it's time to get uncomfortable. It's time to let yourself get a little bit inconvenienced. If you wanna grow, if you wanna go to the next level, Joseph had an unexpected miracle in an unexpected way at an unexpected time. All of this, super inconvenient super inconvenient. This was not what he was looking for. He's engaged to be married, looking forward to his honeymoon, looking forward to have the picture-perfect scenario. You know, Mary's this amazing girl named Mary, super excited. Friends and family are excited. Gonna do the thing that all, you know, newly married couples do and, you know, enjoy each other, you know, before they have kids and here they are, they're, not, they're just engaged and she's already pregnant. Like, this is a bad look for him. It's a bad look for her. He's confused, but... This is a miracle in the making. It's super inconvenient. The timing is super inconvenient. I mean, just super not the way that he would have hoped 
um, in this situation. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, let's go back there for a second. It says, it opens up by saying, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, like I said, she was engaged. She wasn't married yet. This was an inconvenient time. This was not the right time. I, you know, had the opportunity just over a week ago to be in Israel. Can you believe that? To be in Israel. What an amazing time. It was, let me tell you, inconvenient to go there at this time. Not only because of war, not only because of the threat of war, not only because of what's happening over there, but because even just life here. You know, I got four kids, family. This is the Christmas season. Church is crazy. Life is crazy around this time. Lots of inconvenient elements. But I just know that when you step into things in inconvenient times, you can expect the miraculous. You can expect God to do amazing things. What God did in my heart, what God did over there was absolutely miraculous. And I can't wait to share it with you come the new year. So get ready. We're going to sh- talk, uh, promote and talk about when that's coming. Uh, it's probably going to be the beginning of January. So mark your calendars Sunday. It's going to be online most likely. I would encourage you to, to join us. Um, it's going to be a powerful, powerful uh, experience of just sharing a little bit of what took place over in Israel. But man, I was also inconvenienced not too long ago. I was in uh, the in Edmonton the first week of December. I was uh, I was at the gym. You know, some of you know my story. I, I don't like really engaging too much or talking to people at the gym. When I go to the gym, I like to work out and get out. And uh, I, but you know what? God doesn't care about sometimes uh, what we want. He has uh, a plan. He has a purpose. And sometimes we don't see that plan or purpose. But often, often it comes. Those plans and purposes come in times where. You know, we want convenience. We don't want to be inconvenienced. And I've learned over the years that in the times when I don't feel like doing something and I don't feel like stepping out in faith to do something that I know God calling me to do, that's when I need to do it the most. That's when the most powerful things begin to happen, often when I don't feel like doing it because because it's sacrifice. There's, there is the, 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 the power of God, I believe, falls often on obedient-led sacrifice. When you are obedient in moments that feel sacrificial. It's not just about sacrifice. It's about obedient-led sacrifice where you feel led to do something that's inconvenient, that's sacrificial. This is what we did with the House of Hearts on December 10th. This is what people are still doing up until the end of December. Stepping out financially, stepping out of their comfort zone, being inconvenient, saying, God, what do you want me to give? What do you want me to sow? I want you to work on my heart. I want to believe for something amazing in 2024. It's inconvenient. It's sacrificial, but it's obedient sacrifice. And so I'm at the gym, at the hotel gym, small little gym in Edmonton. I'm speaking at this conference. I'm there super early in the morning, one morning, and I'm working out. And uh, this this man is in the gym with me. I'm 48 years old man, 48 year old man. I'm there, just me and him alone. And we're working out. He's got his headphones on. I got my headphones on, and we eventually move over from, over from the treadmill to uh, just these little uh, baby weight area, little baby weights, because it's a hotel gym. And if you're familiar with hotel gyms, they usually are 
uh, pretty bad. But um, I were over that this little tight little area, and and uh, somehow a conversation begins to kind of start, and I kind of feel the pull. I'm like, man, I'm in here to work out. I'm hopefully getting into conversation. Just being honest, it's kind of where I'm at. I'm like I'm in that focused headspace. We begin to have conversation about a few things, and I could feel God pulling on my spirit, pulling on my spirit. I want you to prophesy over Him. I'm going to give you a word, and so. I began to lean in a little bit, and at the end of the conversation, I just began to, to go for it. I felt the Lord give me a very specific word about the last 15 years of his life and about a relational breakdown and about all these various things with kids and different things and part, parts of his life and where he's at currently in his life and a little bit of his background. I had a word of knowledge with some very specific details. I began to share this word to him, and he begins to weep. He's a 48-year-old man, begins to weep in this gym, just me and him alone. And begins to weep, begins to weep. And he's like, how do you know these things? He's like, I, you know, I, I can't believe this is happening. He, he looks at me, he says, you're super, you must be a gift from God. He's like, you could just tell he was totally dumbfounded by this, ha- this happening. He was there on a little vacation with um, his, his family, his new wife, which I didn't know he had, and his stepkids. He was there on a little vacation and Little did he know that he was going to get hijacked by God. You know, he was at a place in his life where he didn't really believe that God cared and God cared about his life and God was watching over his life. And here in this gym, this random guy from Ottawa prophesying over this guy, weeping. I got to pray with him. Let me just tell you, after that experience, he was a believer. He had a whole new outlook, a whole new look on his face. Like, man, there is a God who loves me. There is a God named Jesus who came and died for me to set me free so I could know him. And so, you know, these moments happen all the time. I've experienced thousands of these moments over the last two decades. And I'm so thankful for these moments because they remind me every single time that the miraculous really falls on the ground of inconvenience. If I want to see the miraculous in my life, I'm going to have to take steps. I'm going to have to be inconvenienced at times and lean in when I don't feel like leaning in. So in this season, go into 2024 thinking, hey God, where can I be a little bit inconvenienced? Maybe it's your health that you need to be inconvenienced in this season. Maybe it's getting up and going to the gym. Maybe it's doing little night workouts. Maybe it's, you know, getting into the word in the season, reading the Bible, actually reading the Bible, not just listening to podcasts and teachings, which is all good, but actually getting in and reading the Bible for yourself. Maybe it's spending 10 minutes a day with your spouse praying. Maybe it's just, it's changing your schedule, letting your schedule get disrupted a little bit. We need inconvenience because it's the breeding ground for the miraculous. Number two, write this down. Lesson from Joseph. God will intervene when we are about to miss it. This is the grace of God. We're, we're about to make a decision that's going to potentially rob us from experiencing the purposes and plans of God. God will interrupt us. God interrupted Joseph for the preservation of his purpose and his calling because he was about to make a decision. He was going to divorce his not even wife yet. He was going to divorce, disconnect the engagement, um, and, and he was going to ruin it all. He was called to raise God himself in the flesh. Imagine that responsibility. He was called to raise the son of God. That job is massive and God wasn't going to let him get away without that. And so God had to interrupt. I mean, imagine trying to find a book out there 
on, you know, Amazon.ca, how to raise the Son of God, you know, how to raise God to eventually become like God so the world can be saved and reconciled back to God. Like, what a, what a job description. There's no book out there that can teach you, but God can. And of course, God the Father did, and of course, God gave Joseph what he needed to not disconnect himself so that Jesus would not be raised by a single mom but by a family unit. So here we see it in Matthew chapter 1. Uh, let's go back to um, verse 20. Verse 20, well, uh, verse 19 actually. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, so he's pondering, how do I do this? How do I quietly remove myself without shaming her and exposing her? He considered this, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. This is why, I mean, imagine this culture back then didn't have a value for dreams. I think we've so missed it in our Western culture. This is why I teach on dreams. I have a whole, by the way, I have a whole course on our supernaturalleadership.com platform. You can visit it, check it out, buy it for one of your family members for Christmas. I have a whole course in my second module Voice of God module two that dives in, three parts that dives into dream interpretation, understanding your dreams, the different types of dream that you dream. Even I even provided a dream interpretation guide, a biblically based dream interpretation guide. So I would encourage you, if you, if you wanna dive into that, get that school because man, we need to learn to engage our dreams. In this culture, in this time, like there was, there was this strong belief, especially in the Old Testament times, historically, whether you believed in in Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, the God of Israel, or or not, you were you served and worshipped some other false god. There was a belief in that culture that all dreams either came from God or the gods. Like every dream in the night, which could have been called a vision in the night, had a purpose and a reason. And so I think we've so we've 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 come so far. People out there say, "I don't dream." Yeah, you do. You you forget because you've not developed it. It's like it's like people say, I don't have muscle. Well, yeah, you do, you just don't work it out. It's there, you gotta work it out in repetition. And so when you value the little, you make room for increase. And so here, Joseph has a dream. Thank God that he was aware that dreams matter. He wasn't just fighting it and, and saying, oh, that was the pizza I ate the night before. He has a dream, Joseph, the son of David, or this is, this is what the angel says to, to Joseph. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet as he read about in Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give him birth to a son. And he'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God intervened when Joseph was about to miss it to give Joseph insight into the value and into what really was taking place in this season of his life. I mean, the question is this, is can we trust him when it makes no sense? Joseph had to lean in and trust him when it made no sense. Joseph has no grid for what it means to raise God himself in the flesh, to raise the son of God, to raise the savior of the world. Joseph has no concept for what it means to be married to somebody who was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Like Joseph has no grid. It's like Noah getting the plans for an ark. What's an ark? It had never rained. There was no waters like that. It never, never rained before like that. Uh, I mean, 
before before the flood, you know, water would come out of the earth and water the plants. And now all of a sudden it's raining from above and there's a flood and, and he's got to build a big ship. It's taken him like so many years, like decades and decades, over a hundred years to build this ship he had no grid for. I mean, what does it mean to trust God when you have no concept and no reference point? Well, this is what Joseph had to do. When he, you know, when, when, when God says something to you that makes no sense, can you, can you trust him? This is a question I believe he's going to, ask you in 2024, when I speak something to you and it makes no sense, can you trust me? You know, I got to say this, like when I, before I decided to go to Israel, the reason why I decided to go to Israel is that when all the things went down on October 7th and I'd been watching from afar, observing what was happening and taking place in Israel, I said to my wife one day, probably about several days after post, you know, October 7th, I said, I really feel like I'm supposed to be there right now. Like, I don't know why, you know, it makes no sense. And of course she's in her mind, oh yeah, whatever. Uh, you know, obviously you're not gonna go there and be there. I said, I feel like I'm supposed to be there. I had this sense, but it made no sense. And five days later, I got a private invitation, all paid for, a private invitation, all paid for, to do an underground uh, solidarity mission with a group of 12 other uh, pastors from around the world. Um, and, and, you know, to our knowledge, this, this had never and has not been done before. We have rabbis going in there. You have humanitarian aid going in there. Um, but we were the first as far as pastors going in as a group privately. Um, you know, we had, you know, special, uh, the, the mil uh, military special uh, uh, operations on standby for an emergency evacuation. Um, you know, we had the IDF's approval. We we're working with the IDF over there to make sure we, we, so we could go in specific areas. I mean, this was like planned of the Lord. But to me, it made no sense. When I had that word, it made no sense. And so when I got the opportunity, I'm like, wow. I'm like, this is crazy. I believe I'm supposed to go. So that's the question for you is are you going to trust God when it makes no sense? Are you going to step out when it makes no sense and maybe feels a little bit inconvenience. I, you know, inconvenient. I, I would ask this question to all of us out there listening during this season. How many of us could actually admit that sometimes we have more faith in the devil's ability to deceive us than we do in God's ability to keep us from being deceived? I think this is a struggle for so many of us. We often put more faith in the narratives of the news, in the narratives of fear, in the biases of other people, rather than getting a word from God and saying, God, what are you saying? I'm putting more faith in the what ifs of the hypotheticals, of the negatives, of the things that could happen, the dangers around my life than in God, what are you saying? And I believe that God, you have more power to keep me from being deceived. We're so afraid of making a bad decision and making a bad step in faith. And we put more faith often in the devil's ability to deceive us than we do in God's ability to keep us. We see this in Proverbs chapter three, a promise in verse five and six. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend or lean on your own understanding, but in all of our ways or seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. In all of our ways, the, the uh, New King James says it like this, in all of our ways acknowledge him and he'll make our path straight. In all of our journeys of life, if we make him front and center, that's what the word is. If the word actually in the Hebrew is the word yada. In all of our journeys in life, if we acknowledge God, we'll walk straight on good paths. We can trust him when it makes no sense. If we're putting him first in all of our journeys, in all of our ways, 
we can trust him when it makes no sense. And we can begin to trust in his ability that is more powerful to keep us from being deceived than the devil's ability to deceive us. I remember when we hosted the marriage event uh, back in September, which was a powerful, powerful time. Uh, you know, we had a whole bunch of couples join us for this marriage event with Dr. Glenn and Phyllis Hill. And I remember when we, I, I had just flown back from Brazil. I got back from Brazil and I went to see the venue uh, with some of our team. And we went into the venue and I just felt like it was off. The venue that we had planned to use for the marriage event, it just felt wrong to me. Like it was the wrong venue. I couldn't put my finger on it, just felt uncomfortable. It felt wrong. And I was, I remember praying about it and I think it was the same day or the next day I had a dream. And in the dream, I was like in the venue and I was actually interacting with the uh, owner. What I felt like in the dream was the owner of the venue. And I won't go into all the details, but I could feel a spirit in the dream over this venue. And I knew in the dream, I could feel the witness of the Holy Spirit say to me, this is not your venue. You're not to use this venue for the marriage event. So I got out of the dream, called our team, told our Eduardo that, and, and I think it was Madison at the time, that I don't feel like we, we can use this venue. I think it's a no. I had a dream. And I think within 24 hours, we had found a new venue. It made no sense. But God intervened right before we were about to make a mistake. Just like God intervened with Joseph right before he was about to make a mistake. Because we were going to book that venue that week, put the deposit down. God intervened right before we are about to make a mistake and redirect us. And we found, I'm telling you, the sickest, most amazing venue in the city of Ottawa within 24 hours. I think it was Madison that found it. And uh, amazing, amazing uh, venue. And we're so thankful. Right on the water. It was the most picturesque day. Like if we had that marriage event on the same type of day in that other venue, it would have been like, God, give me an antidepressant. Like it was, it would have been a totally different experience. And so God intervened right at the right time to, to prevent us from making a mistake, just like he did with Joseph. And God is so faithful. I believe this in this season. You can trust him. That if you're about to step into something or make a bad decision, you don't have to fear that bad decision. What you should fear is not stepping out and missing out on what God wants to do. If you're about to make the bad decision, God is so faithful, he's gonna intervene on your behalf. And you'll know that you know that you know that this was actually God or wasn't God because he'll intervene and he'll redirect your path. Number three, third lesson and last lesson that we could learn from Joseph's experience in this story is obedience happens when you wake up. Write that down. Obedience happens when you wake up. You know, what if in life, I wanna propose this, we struggle with obedience and are struggling to shift things in our life because we're simply just asleep. We're just blind. We're weary. We're tired. Metaphorically speaking, literally speaking, we just can't be obedient. We can't do the thing God wants us to do because we're asleep, spiritually speaking. We can't see. When our eyes are closed, we can't see. What if we're walking through life asleep and don't even know it. You know, it says in Matthew chapter 1 verse 24, when Joseph woke up from the dream, when he woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. We have to, if we're going to shift things in this next season in our life, and if we're going to be obedient, obedience comes on the heel of actually waking up and seeing right. Our motivation for obedience all, really only is as strong is our, is as our ability to see what God is doing and to see the reality. When we get dull and sleepy, 
and we get stubborn and we get stiff neck. This was the issue with the Israelites. They had slept for 40 years walking around in circles uh, in the wilderness. That's why they couldn't get into the promised land. They were asleep. They could not see. Therefore, they could not be obedient to the ways of God to transition them into the promised land. So I believe this goes back to a word that I had and I shared it on September, I believe it was 3rd uh, this year. We celebrated 11 years as a church. I was coming back from Brazil and I had this word. God said to me in Brazil, you're moving into a John 11, 11 season. I didn't remember what the verse was at the time. I knew chapter 11 was about Lazarus, um, you know, resurrecting, but I didn't know what John 11, 11 specifically said. And this was the word. This is the word of John 11, 11. Then Jesus says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go wake him up. I believe that we are in a season where we are waking up. We cannot be obedient to the thing that God's called us to do. We cannot be disrupted, inconvenienced. We cannot experience the miraculous in the way that we are called to experience if we are asleep. And so God, wake us up. Wake us up. What feels dead to you in this season, I believe God says it's only asleep and God is going to wake us up. He's waking you up in this hour. Go into 2024 awake. Go into this next year awake so you can do all that God's called you to do. He's calling for radical, real obedience in this season. Jesus asked his disciples to stay awake, to wake up, and they couldn't do it. They kept falling asleep. If you read the story in Matthew 26, at one of the most crucial times in their rabbi's life, and their teacher's life, in Jesus' life, in the garden of Gethsemane, the place of pressing, the, the place of decision, where he was going to say and say, yes, I'm going to drink the cup of suffering. I'm going to take my life to the cross. I'm going to die for all humanity. In this place of crushing, where he was arrested for the first time, in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says he went to a place in the garden, a place called Garden of Gethsemane, verse 39, and he cries out to his father, Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And in verse 40, it says, then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said, Peter, couldn't you watch with me for even an hour? Keep watch and pray so you will not give in a temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Your spirit is destined to be obedient and fulfill the calling of God, but you're fighting your flesh. Then Jesus left a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. A second time. Verse 43, when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So a third time saying the same things again. Then he comes back to his disciples and a third time he says, guys, just go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. The same wrestle that Jesus had with his own people at a time when Jesus needed them to watch and pray the most the flesh took over. I believe this has been a, a major assault on the Canadian church in this hour, even the North American church, where we've our flesh has taken over. We're asleep. I think a lot of ways the pandemic, some ways needed to happen to wake people up, to wake people up to, up to what's important, to wake people up to the importance of family, importance of relationship, the importance of freedom of speech, the importance of freedom of, of your faith expressed in your everyday, the importance of, hey, we don't have a lot of time on this earth and there's gonna be things that happen on this earth that are gonna irritate and oppose and come after you, but you have one thing, you have, you have one mission in life and that's to know him and make him known. 
And I think the pandemic rattled a lot, a lot of cages. It, it just, uh, it, it magnified some of the cracks that were already in people's lives. And, and it's waking us up from, from our slumber. But I think there's some more slumber that God's gonna wake us up from in this season so we can watch, so we can pray, so we can do the thing that God's called us to do. God's called us to be awake. We're not gonna be able to be here and observant to what's happening in the spirit and reach the goals that God has for us if we are asleep. This is my prayer for all of us going into the Christmas season. And I, I just, I hope that in this Christmas season, you feel new strength, new encouragement, new courage for the coming year. Maybe you're struggling with your health. Maybe you're out there listening and you're, this is a horrible time for you. You don't like this time. It's depressing. You don't like what you feel during this time. You just can't stand the Christmas season. But somehow you're on this, you're watching this, you made it through this far. I just believe you did that because God wants to give you a little bit of ounce of hope, a little ounce of hope, a little bit of hope, a little bit of encouragement to go into your next year strong. Maybe you didn't have a good year this year. Maybe it was the best year you've ever had. Uh, whatever the case may be, everyone's at a different space. Everyone's experienced things differently in this year, uh, in, in the last year. And so my belief and my encouragement is that if you would just open up your heart to his hope in this season, we celebrate the greatest hope that ever came to humanity. We celebrate that during this season, that Jesus came, God came in the flesh, wrapped in flesh as the greatest gift to be unwrapped every single day. It's the gift of eternal life. We wrap this, unwrap this gift every single day as we get to know him. This is the greatest gift. This is the gift of hope. If there's anything that you can do in this season as you close, is just continue to say, God, I want to unwrap this hope. I want to unwrap this gift every day. I don't want it to be a once a, once a year thing. I don't want to just come to church on you know Easter and, and Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. I, I want to unwrap this gift, unravel this gift day in and day out. And so I believe as you do that, your family's going to be changed, transformed. Your relationships will be transformed. I believe as you do this, addictions will be broken. I believe as you do this, your whole life will be set on fire in a whole new way for the purposes of God. I believe that as you do that in this season and you make it an intentional focus to end 2023 strong, I believe you will unwrap into the most amazing year yet in Jesus' name. Let me pray for all of you watching. Jesus, I thank you for everybody watching in here. And maybe you're watching and you've never said yes to Jesus. You don't know what would happen to you if you were to die today. Let me, let me just tell you, the, the story of Jesus did not end with the birth of Jesus. It ended with a death and ended with a resurrection. You know, if we only had the birth of Jesus, if we didn't have the death and resurrection, we'd have no restoration. It was because of the death and resurrection that we can know God our Father, our creator in relationship. Jesus came to introduce a relationship to you, not to just prescribe another religion, but to introduce a relationship. And if you're watching today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never made a decision to open up your heart to him, all you have to do is say yes. That's the beginning stages to an, a new awakening. Maybe you've been asleep in your faith in general, like you don't have a faith at all. It's been dormant. This is the moment to see that wake up in your life. 2023 is that moment to wake up and to see all that God has for you. So let me pray with you. And if you're, that's you listening right now and you're watching this, maybe your family members are with you, whoever's with you, I want you to just close your eyes just for a moment and say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you're God. I want you in my life. I receive your forgiveness. I surrender to you today. 
I get off the fence of indecision, of convenience, and I say, I want all in. I want a relationship with you. Fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to hear and recognize your voice moving forward. I want to know you in a real way. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that, best decision you've ever made in your life. And for everybody else watching, my prayer is that you would have the best exit to 2023 and that you would come into the new year stronger than ever in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would bless every family watching, every kid watching. I pray that this would be a memorable holiday season for them as we celebrate you once again, the birth of Jesus. Thank you for what you're going to do this holiday season in Jesus' name. Merry Christmas, Kingdom Culture. Can't wait to see you on New Year's Eve.